Well, good morning, Bel Air family. Good morning. I always feel a little guilty breaking up community when it's happening. I'm like, we could do this for another 10 minutes. I'm good with it. How are you guys feeling this morning? Yeah, right? It's, it's, you know, it's uh, daylight savings time. Mike set our clocks, but he set them back. And I was like, wait, no, this is the hard one. This is spring forward, babe. So, but we made it on time. Thank you. Well, here we are. We're in the midst of our Lent season. Lent is my favorite time of the church calendar. It's the season for us that marks the 40 days leading up to Easter, where we as a community, we reflect. We reflect on our mortality. We reflect on our lives and Jesus. And we are making our way towards the hope that will soon meet us on Easter in the empty tomb. But yet we walk this journey together in reflection. And I'm so excited because we are in week three today of our Lent sermon series on the parables of Jesus. Drew kicked us off two weeks ago with the parables of the new wineskins and Kim Dortilly. Last week nailed it with a parable of the two debtors. And today I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about the parable of the two foundations. Or maybe you know it as the parable of the two builders or the parable of the man who built his house on a rock. The parables are really interesting because Jesus repeatedly chose to use this form of communication to teach often. He used these little mini narratives to communicate a deeper truth about who he is and, and, how, and who God is and what God wants to do in the world. Time and time again, he used these stories to help us envision the kingdom of God bring, being brought to earth here and now. And some of these parables, maybe you heard them growing up right? You might be very familiar with them, but I want you to lean in, listen closely in a new way, in a fresh way, with a new perspective. N.T. Wright, theologian, he says this about maintaining a posture of teachability and openness to the parables. He says, we must resist the tendency to become spiritually hardened, not only so that we don't miss the opportunities to show mercy in our lives, but also so that we do not lose our ability to hear and inhabit the story the Bible is telling and the new social order Jesus narrates in these small stories. Today, it's the parable of the two foundations, and this is going to be a good word for us. And on the outset of this journey, I want you to be thinking about this question, what are you building your life on? Turn with me now to Luke chapter 7. Actually, Luke 6 is where we'll be going today. Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. I'll be reading from the NRSV version. I want you to pay attention to a word or a phrase that stands out to you. Maybe listen for one that kind of sparkles or shines this morning. Verse 46, Jesus is saying this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation." 
When the river burst against it, it quickly collapsed, and great was the ruin of that house. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God for this story. Now, when I hear this parable, of course, like the question that comes to mind is, what am I building my life on? What is the foundation that I am laying for my life today? And practically speaking, I think of my Swedish grandfather, Paul Shaleen. Paul actually owned a construction company for 40 years, and he specialized in concrete foundations. He specialized in laying foundations for homes. And I actually talked to my uncle about this, and I was like, hey, can you give me some, you know, just a Cliff Notes version, what goes into building a concrete foundation? And honestly, it was like really boring. (laughs) So I'm not going to tell you, but it's complicated, and it's calculated, and it's very specific, and if you mess it up, like the whole thing's, you got to start over. It is a serious project to lay a foundation for a house. But my my grandfather, this is a side note, he actually was a very good French braider. This this strong, like, Swedish grandfather, massive hands, he would French braid my hair so tight. And I'd be like, Mom, like, don't let Grandpa. I have three sisters, so he knew how to do it. He had a Swedish grandmother who taught him. But, But Paul, he had a foundation in his life of loving Jesus. He was a faithful and loving father and husband, and in his community, he was known for his humility and his integrity. He had a foundation that was Jesus. So friends, when you think about this question, what are you building your life on? What are you laying down as the foundation for your life? Because we are all being offered a lot of things right now as a foundation. Promises your safety and your security. Is it your bank account? Your relational status? What would you fill in the blank here? What are you tempted to put in place of Christ for the foundation of your life? We know that what we build our lives on matters. And Jesus knows this. And that's why he taught this parable. Let's go back to this text to see what exactly we're to build our lives on. Now, in this moment, Jesus is mainly directing this set of teachings to his disciples here. Now, although he had gathered thousands of people over the course of this ministry so far, he was healing people left and right all over Galilee. They had gathered on this hillside, and he begins to teach to them. But this is mainly directed to those that have decided to follow him, Um, his disciples. But what's so interesting here is that this parable comes at the culmination of the longest sermon that Jesus gives, and maybe the most famous sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount. That is where our parable ends. Jesus chooses at the end of this long and detailed and provocative set of teachings to end with this parable, two builders, Two foundations, two houses. This is his exclamation point of what he just taught them. Now, in the Gospel according to Matthew, we read this same parable, and it's got a slight variation, which I think is really interesting. I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew 7, verses 24. It says, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell. 
The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, I love this story for a lot of reasons, but there's a detail here that maybe some of us have missed. How many of you heard this parable growing up, maybe in Sunday school? Did a little craft with it. Look around the room, a lot of people. Right, you made a little house, one was on sand, one was on rock, you poured some water, one, you know, kind of disappeared. But do you remember what that was about? What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is drawing our attention to not simply observing what he has said, not just talking about what he has said, not just studying what he has said, not just preaching what he has said, but doing what he has said, acting on his teaching. Now we see here the Greek verb poieo, Say it with me, poieo. Poieo, which means to do, to put into practice. And this verb permeates the Sermon on the Mount. This undergirds a great theme, the theme for this parable. Obedience. Obedience. Following Jesus involves active participation and not just passive listening or cognitive understanding. Jesus uses this parable to drive home this point. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Taking the truth of his teachings and living them out, acting on what he has said. <sighs> well, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? We know what Jesus did, right? I've got a lot of my favorite stories. I love the gospel story. We know what Jesus did on the cross. We know about the empty tomb. But do we know the teachings of Jesus? Like I said, he had just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he covers so many amazing things, powerful, provocative things in this sermon and for the sake of time, I, I can't give us another sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, but maybe we will do another series at some point. But just to highlight a couple of things, in, in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about being the light of the world, to let our light shine. He talks about being the salt, a preserver of truth. He talks about being countercultural in this way, pushing against the outrage and anger and vitriol in our world. Christians, do we hear that? He tells us to control our anger, to not give in to lust, to give with integrity, to pray. He teaches us not to store up for ourselves things on earth. That means stop adding to cart. More, more, more. Jesus is like, don't store up for yourselves things on earth. He teaches us not to be anxious, but to trust, to trust. 
He teaches us to treat people well, and he teaches us to choose the narrow path because every day we will see a wide open path and we could easily walk through it. And Jesus says, choose the narrow path. Jesus is saying to his disciples at the very end of this set of teachings, now go and do. These are meant to be heard and practiced. This isn't about perfection, friends. This is not about being perfect. I am not perfect. But do I show up every day and try my hardest and give it my all? No. No. No, just going to be honest. No. (laughs) I fail a lot. I fail at this. This isn't about perfection, but this is about coming back to the anchor that is Christ. Coming back to Jesus and what he taught us to do and how he taught us to live and to love in this world. Remember the words in Matthew, verse 26, he says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And when that storm come... That house fell, and great was its fall, like the foolish man. Friends, as I was preparing for this sermon, I so wanted to round out the edges of this teaching. I I wanted to, like, soften it a little bit, make it a little more palatable for us. Like, you know, it's not like, why would I want to do that? Because I am the fool. Often. I am the fool constantly choosing other things to build my life on rather than the teaching of Jesus. I am the fool choosing to lay a foundation that doesn't align with what Jesus told me to do. Friends, when we read these stories and read these teachings, The truth is that Jesus lays this down for us and it was never meant to stay on the page. It was never meant to stay there or stay here. It was meant to be lived out in our lives right now. This is deeper truth that is meant to transform us. Now, as we've touched on, Jesus had said many things in the Sermon on the Mount. Many amazing things that left his listeners shocked. And right before this concluding parable, Jesus has two brief teachings. I'm just going to touch on these really quick. But he says this in verse 27. This is right before our parable. He says, but I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not even withhold your shirt. Give to anyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes away what is yours, do not ask for it back again. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. And he goes on, there's a whole nother paragraph. The truth is Jesus spends so much time teaching us about love. Not just any kind of love, not an easy type of love, 
Not a shallow kind of love, but the kind of love that is countercultural, a kind of love that digs deep. An absurd and revolutionary love. Jesus says, do this, do this, and you won't be shaken when the storms of life come because they will come. They come to both houses. Doesn't this seem a little counterintuitive if you really think about it? To give out love like this, this sacrificial kind of absurd love, like that's the way to build a firm foundation? Aren't I supposed to guard myself or draw a line in the sand, like to be really like stable in my life? And God says, no, (laughs) I flipped things upside down. Your giving of yourself, your self-sacrificing is a way to build a foundation that will last when the storm comes. Do we believe that? I heard someone say that modeling Christ-like love is, is like this. It's not if or because, but it's love anyway. And even though, and in spite of, even though, and in spite of, we are compelled to love like Christ. Jesus then follows up this command to his disciples to, to love radically with a command to stop judging. In verse 37, he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Church. He goes on and says this in verse 41. He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. I love Jesus in this moment. I mean, the crowd listening to this would have been like, that would be ridiculous to walk around with a ginormous piece of wood sticking out of your face and trying to help somebody else like get the speck out of their eye. And right now, friends, if you're thinking this is for somebody else, this is for you. This is for me. Take the log out of our own eye. Then we can see clearly to remove the tiny little speck in our neighbor's eye. These are the words of Jesus meant to be lived out, not just preached on. Jesus compares these two builders. They both built a house. They both finished it. Storms came. But I want to clarify something that Jesus is not contrasting good and evil in this story. This is not about good and bad. And this is not, hear me, if you tune me out for a second, come back. This is not about earning your salvation. This is not about earning your salvation. This is not about being justified before the Father. This is about your response, our response into that salvation, that new life. God's love has already been received. God's grace and mercy has already been received. So this parable is about being wise 
or being foolish. Wise or foolish. Wise if we're obedient. Foolish if we're disobedient. Now, at the beginning of this parable in Luke, Jesus asks a crucial question. Did we, did we hear that question? Did we miss it? It's a question that's still relevant for us today, right here, right now. Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you to? Friends, who is Jesus to you? You might say he is my savior, and I would say yes and amen. But is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? Because we want to be saved, don't we? We want to be saved. But do we want to be ruled? Dallas Quote says this, we believe something when we say, we don't, he says this, we don't believe something when we say that we believe it. We don't believe something even when we think that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. Is Jesus your Lord? The wise builder demonstrates trust and obedience. The foolish one chooses not to trust and lives a shallow life. In James chapter 1, we read, But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, they immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, catch that liberty, freedom, and persevere being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. They will be blessed in what they do. As disciples of Jesus, those who call him Lord, we are to act on what we hear. Not to earn our salvation, not to be justified before the Lord, but in a response to his goodness and mercy and grace poured out. We are laying a foundation that will last when we do this. Because the point is the foundation. If you've been house hunting and you go into a house, you see somebody and they're mentioning a couple of things to you, the the windows might need to be replaced and there's a few things here. Oh, and there's a foundation issue. You'd be like, gotta go. Right? But the good news is, did you know this? Foundation issues can be fixed. They can be remedied. So I don't know where you were at this morning. I know you probably weren't thinking you were going to come to church hearing a sermon about obedience. (sighs) Right? It's kind of like, okay. But who are you in this story? Maybe you're a little bit of both, right? you got a foundation that's a little bit of like wisdom over here. Like I'm really, but like over here, it's like hard to love my enemies or I've been judging people lately. Like you got to do some reflection on where you're at, what kind of foundation you've been laying. But the good news is that Jesus always can start again with us. Jesus will always come in. And we don't do this on our own strength. We're not toiling alone, 
The Holy Spirit is at work within us right now, working alongside, helping us lay this foundation. But it's some digging. It takes some effort. Maybe you feel like you're in a season where your house is crumbling. Or maybe you feel like you're in a season where the the storm's over, you're picking up the pieces, and you're ready. You're ready to lay a new foundation. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says this, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation is is Jesus Christ. Christ is the solid rock. Christ is the cornerstone. And our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We can trust in his love. We can trust in his power. We can trust in his grace to be a firm foundation for our lives. Christ, the cornerstone, the builder and the finisher of our faith. He will finish what he started in us. And he started that good work. Let's pray.